Welcome to your typical shonen protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kells, and today we're talking about Afro Samurai. First yes. off, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Um, still recovering from yesterday's Attack on Titan episode and the other things, but you know, life's good because we're here. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, it's February 1st, kicking off Black History Month with conversation about one of the opuses of sort of anime in the Western market, Afro Samurai. Yes, yes. Afro Samurai um, is a story of revenge. Uh, if it's a story by any other name, uh, where our main character, whose name is literally Afro, um, which is cool. Um, no last name needed. I realize no one in here has a last name. So I'm just like, okay, that's, that's cool. Except maybe Ninja Ninja. Like his last name is Ninja, maybe. But anyway, I'll I'll give you that fair play. Mm. Yeah, uh, but like almost everyone in this story is an orphan, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's basically just like I said, the story of revenge. It's kind of like a old western, but with like a Japanese feel. Did you like catch that? Like it was like had yeah. the aspects of an old western with like Japanese cultural influences. It it screams entirely like everything you expect to see from like a late 90s anime, like a shonen show, all clumped together. Like Yu Yu Hakusho, we're talking like uh, Trigun. Yeah, I can think of like, the name. I was like, what is it? Oh, Wes, yeah, Trigun, like Ronin Kenshin. Ru- yep, Ronin Kenshin. It's like all of those smashed together in five episodes plus a movie. Um, that is so incredibly violent. Like the real show I think about when I want to re- relate this to something is Ninja Scrolls. Yes, Ninja Scrolls like, is probably equally, if not a tad bit more violent than this. Like yes, and so do you have the combination of like incredibly violent and interesting story along with like a star-studded dub cast. Yeah, no man, the cast for Afro is like wow. Most prominently, I would say you have Samur or <laughs> Samurai Jackson. <laughs> Samuel <laughs> J- L Jackson or yeah, Sam Jackson, Samuel L Jackson, um who is an avid lover of anime and when he got the opportunity to do this, he was just like, yo, like, I have to. Like, you know, yeah, there's... Man. And we've got also... He plays two roles. Um, he plays uh, the main character, Afro, and the side character, Ninja Ninja, which is hilarious to me because I'm like... I just realized on this rewatch that he's been talking to himself this whole time. Yo, and and... Let's circle back to that in, a, in just a moment. Uh, we also got like Ron Perlman as um, uh, Justice. Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, and in, Phil in Lamar. The movie, yes. Phil Lamar. Like Steve as, Bloom, too. Like it's it's crazy. Like the whole gang's here, along with like Lucy Liu in the movie. Yeah. So it's definitely like no shortage of talent, which I was really here for. Like, because normally when you have like passionate projects of these, you have like 
basically just I don't want to say like there's prominent voice actor people like um uh I can't think of any of them. Uh Johnny Steve Young Bloom. Bosch, Steve yeah. Bloom, yeah. what's his face? Um uh, Christopher yeah, Savoy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so yeah. The fact that these were actually like we had, you know, the legends like Phil Lamar, Yuri Laurenthal, um, Steve Bloom, but we also had like, you know, Samuel Jackson and like Dave Winberg and like Tara Strong, who was like freaking um Rugrats and a bunch of other people. And it was like really cool. So to see that like such an amazing cast come together for something I never thought that they would come together for. Yeah, man. Now let's uh let's run back sort of the the story setup. Let's talk about the uh the premise for a minute, and then we'll talk about um Afro Samurai and his pal Ninja Ninja. Uh, with Omega spoilers, by the way. Uh, so the the setup is you've got Afro Samurai. And at the beginning of the the series, like scene one, he watches his dad, the number one swordsman in the world, get murked right in front of him. Yes, by this like kind of toxic looking cowboy whose name is Justice, ironically. And he so he uses he's a gun wielder, so it's already swords going against guns. So it's a crazy fight that's happened right off the bat. Yeah, man. And then we find out that he's like the number two swordsman in the world, and we find out about these two headbands, the number one and the number two. And the number one is basically like you have achieved godhood, and the number two is the one chasing after number one, and then everyone else in the world is chasing after number two. Because you can't fight for number one unless you are the number two. Like, you've proven yourself strong enough. Not even, like, honor, per se. Uh, but, like, if you aren't strong enough to hold number two, there's no way you're going to beat number one. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's crazy how I was talking about earlier, um, this when we were talking off the cuff, about how it's kind of like a lawless world, kind of like Trigun and Rowan yeah. Kenshin, things like that. But there's like almost like an honor amongst thieves to where everyone knows where number one is. He's normally at the um, top of a mountain, um, just kind of waiting for number two to challenge him, or even if number one really exists. But there's like if they are, there's a known location for them. But everybody just still follows the process of chasing after number two before they go and chase after number one. Which is which is kind of cool to like have the setup. Um, yeah. Now, in in the show, we find out like the tragedy of uh, Afro Samurai's life. If we didn't already get that from scene number one, uh, where he watches his dad get just decapitated. Um. Yeah, but like in that same vein, when he goes and becomes a swordman himself. And he watches his entire like dojo get murdered for the number two headband. And like there's this whole like struggle with the fact that his his dojo master is now the number two. And his dojo master's like, hey, I'm going to show you the path that you will walk if you continue down 
the quest for the number two headband. And like his master gets murked, sort of, kind of. He holds his own. He's just like the greatest swordsman in the fight. But his entire dojo gets murdered in front of him, and he has to like help defeat the bad guys. And then he's like, all right, well, master, I've got to do it. We've come this far. I've got to get that headband. So he he murks his uh, master, and the master's like, all right, well, good luck, Godspeed. I showed you how fucked up this can be. Um, I'm going to die now by your hand. And at that point, once the entire dojo is murdered, we get introduced to Ninja Ninja, yes. who, his, 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 who is Afro's road dog. He's like, yo, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be the co- comedic relief. I'm going to hang out with you and tell you how crazy things are, how you need to hit all the, the hotties and like live your motherfucking life. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's, like, the the thing about Ninja Ninja is that he is always kind of, like, contradictive to what Afro's actions are and how things are going, to which you later figure out why that is, which is a huge That's, spoiler, which... I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out of the room one time, I asked you this question, you got hit me with the truth. Um, yeah, to to your point, huge spoiler. Um, like every scene we see Ninja Ninja in, which let's talk about marijuana later. Um, every scene you see Ninja Ninja in, he's like uh, trying to hype him up or there's always a bad guy and he's like, hey, this bad guy behind you, shit's gonna go crazy or you should really hit this hottie because you don't do enough of that in your life and life is just hell. Yeah, and be happy with your basic like desires. Uh, but we find out like at the end of the show, episode number five, we think Ninja Ninja died, sacrificing himself for Afro, and then in the final fight with Justice, Justice is like, "Oh, you finally given up your imaginary friend." Ninja Ninja is just like a construct of Afro's mind, trying to like cope with the reality of life and like it's one of those he sort of like has this personification of his desires that he can push past and achieve his goals but also like that's not healthy ninja ninja is there saying these things for a reason because that's like what you got to do as a person to be happy See, and on the first, like, watch through, I didn't notice that Ninja Ninja was, like, a figment of his imagination. And then, like, this watch through, like, I kind of still didn't notice. Then you said something, and I was like, how did I not notice this? Because, like, I thought it was just one of those, like, open-ended type things. Like, yeah, you know, like, and then, because the ending was very, like, the ending was kind of almost like uh homage to the first episode. It's like our sandwich where it wrapped up. And then when you saw him like even cut the headband, you're like, oh, okay, well, like, I guess it's a personification of that, you know, now what I took from that, it was like, does it even matter? Like who number one or number two is now that I've got my revenge? Like this whole thing is like his master set was pointless. But then I realized there was a movie that I, Never watched. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that gets taken care of in that movie. 
Uh, no. Uh, tragically, it doesn't. No. Um, so we'll talk about the movie at the end. I'll, I'll fill you in. Uh, but no, like that, that swerve for me at the end that Ninja Ninja was totally not real, um, was like fun. This, this show is super short. The fact that he's not real doesn't really change anything in the plot because he doesn't really do anything. He doesn't really like, he's, he's not in the fight with him. He's just around to tell Afro things. So it's like, when you find that fact out, it's like, okay, him not being sort of pivotal to the action of the story makes sense. But, okay, cool, he, it's five episodes, he's just comic relief. What's the harm? You know, what do I expect him to be able to do? Uh, but no, like, to your point earlier, the fact that it's it's uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Ninja Ninja having this conversation with Samuel L. Jackson as Afro Samurai, who is the strong, silent type, uh, it's pretty great. And in yeah. the movie, it gets so much better because, like, Ninja Ninja has more lines. Yeah. Well, like, the movie is definitely something that I need to watch. It's like, I heard there was a movie. I just never watched it. Well, I didn't think I ever had access to it, more likely. But, you know, now that I know that there is a movie and it is real, I would definitely go ahead and watch it because Afro Samurai... The five episodes that I watched, I definitely thought there needed to be more. And I yeah. feel like the movie probably doesn't give us a good conclusion that we wanted anyway. Uh, but. <laughs> now, all of these are currently on Hulu. So yeah. you catch the, the show and the movie on Hulu right now. Um, Let's talk about something. So the headbands you've got number one and number two at the end of of the five episode show we find out that there are more headbands right like you could be the number 10th rank swordsman the number 15th rank or some some bullshit like that yeah and it's like apparently the way to godhood is to collect all of these headbands and be like the owner which is kind of like as a trope kind of cool yeah. Like, it, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's cool. It's just like, it felt like, because we spent most of the season, which again is only five episodes, thinking that there were only two, but I feel like now that we know there's more, it kind of defeats the purpose of like, they're everyone just challenging number two. You know what I mean? Like, why does anybody go after three or the other numbers? Because, because there is no number three. Like, there is no number three headband to be gotten. Like, number one has everything else other than number two. And only when you become number one do you understand the fact that you have to collect all of the headbands. Yeah, see, this is where it just got, like, <laughs> slightly confusing for me. But at the same time, it's like one of those introspective openings, which I feel like it's... So, the point of Afro Samurai? Yeah. So, I like... I rock with the show hard because of the fight scenes and the blood and the gore. Not gonna lie. Man, and the hip-hop aspect. We got the RZA coming in for the music. Yes. And if you don't know who RZA is, you need to go back to the chambers and figure it out. Because Yeah, man. The RZA of, of course, the Wu-Tang Clan fame. We talked about sort of the Wu-Tang Clan and... um. Asian culture 
uh, kung fu movies and uh, at this point currently like anime as an influence on the black community as a whole sort of kind of as you as you can discuss such topics um but like we got the rizza coming in with a whole cult like career of hip-hop mixed with kung fu movies and then he's doing music for afro samurai it's tying everything together it's like a great experience um that's the one thing i really love about anime when you have these sort of like cultural touchstones that you can connect with like why does samurai shampoo connect with me it's because you've got new job as coming in on the ones and twos and like making great hip-hop beats that fit with the samurai aesthetic yes and you have you know the beautiful like tones and colors as well as the same director who directed cowboy bebop so and he just like you have all this like direction and people who are kind of masters of their craft coming together to create another craft like you have samuel jackson who in just the case of afro samurai you have samuel jackson who is this amazing actor and steve bloom and lamar and all these other great voice actors coming together lending their talent to like this direction and like Riza, who is known for like you said his the man with the iron fist, cutthroat, um, American gangster, all these other stuff that he's been on and helped produce music for, and like it all meshes together and you just have like in that anime art style and it just becomes such like a I don't want to say a phenomenon but like just such an enjoyable watch. Now, on the exact opposite of that point, I got to bring up the fact that I felt a little like the dub was kind of wonky at points. Like, the the dialogue was kind of basic, and the delivery lining up with the animation was kind of wonky. Like, we're on the cusp of dubs being really good uh, overall. Like, quality dubs in general. You think of a quality dub way back, I'm thinking like Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu is a really good dub. Yeah, probably one of the um, best. But, like, this was kind of wonky in the editing. Wonky in the lining up the The, the lip flaps. flaps. Yeah. 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 Uh, what was your opinion? I don't want to prime you for that, but, like, what was your opinion in that? I definitely and, agree, um, especially with the long-winded explanations. Well, not really. There were, like, a lot of long-winded explanations, but when there was, like, focus on the lips, it was a lot more yeah. noticeable um, than it was when it was just, like, in passing. And I feel like maybe that was one of the reasons. Like, well, no, because he didn't, after I didn't speak as much in the um, dub either, but or sub I, either. I feel like I really only, I noticed it a lot when it was Ninja Ninja talking. yeah. When it was Ninja Ninja and it was like characters kind of like challenging Afro as well, it seemed like. Yeah. Um, I felt like that was a lot of like when they were stating their reasons why they wanted to fight him and everything. I felt like that was a lot of um, lip flap issues as well. Um, yeah, I I agree with you. Um, it definitely yeah, his, his, had its had its problems. Here's a bigger question to that point. Was it so rough? 
that it took you out of it? Was it so rough that you lost enjoyment because you noticed it wasn't like pristine? No, not at all. Because I was like I said, the um the battle scenes his was really what it was. I liked the animation. I was surprised um how like the animation seemed kind of like or the tone seemed like kind of gritty and gray. Yeah. And then like you had like I guess the women, how they were depicted, was so interesting for me because it was like, I don't think I'd ever seen like women drawn like that in another anime of like recent knowledge that pops up in my head like that. Like it was almost like that one piece like type of like staple you could see it when it happens type thing. Yeah, man. Like the whole art style is incredibly unique. Uh, it doesn't line up with any sort of your generic anime from the time. Um, which is kind of why it was like five episodes. Yeah. Because like you can't do this on a mass scale with like the interest you can see in like the art style they're putting on these characters. Um, to your point about the women, I this like another thing that screams sort of like Ninja Squalls to me. Um, but like in a different time period. Yeah. Uh, like production wise. Um, uh, totally. Super uh, great, great examples of women. Um, you got a bunch, like, in the series, you've got our one character that sort of ties back, kind of, uh, not super strong, willed. In the movie, we get Lucy Liu as the main villainess, super strong. Great to see. Equally, equally voluptuous, but like, is the mastermind. Is the strong one, which is super cool. Yeah. So, definitely had a lot going on in that. What would you say the impact of Afro Samurai is on like Man, the world? That's a good ass question. Um, for me, this sort of feels like one of. It almost feels like a touchstone. So, so to me, like your one-off animes that make a real big impact in my mind is like Fully Cooly. Fully Cooly is a six-episode run from the like the OG um, that is like just so impactful. It's got great music. It's got great animation. It's got a weird and zany story that you know doesn't overlive its stay. And with Afro Samurai, it's almost like. Here is a samurai story that's ultra violent. And here are some voice actors and like personalities that are going to make it able to reach you, the Western audience, where you are. And I'm like, yes, I want all of those things. I want to see people who get chopped in half in my animation. I want to see voluptuous women doing their thing i want to see revenge stories and i want to see an anime plot that also features fucking samuel l jackson and the rizza on music and ron perlman and lucy Liu in the movie just fucking let me mark out to all of these things that i'm into no i felt like it felt like an ultimate like ode to the fans well, like, just, I mean, it felt like an, 
it felt like this was America's anime, even though I don't even think it was made in America. Um, it wasn't. So yeah. it was it was not animated or produced in America. Simply the dub was brought over. I don't know a lot of the the backstory about its reception or production in Japan, but at least watching the credits, I'm like, all right, everyone who animated this is Japanese. Everyone who voiced the dub is uh, American. Um, okay, cool. That's our story. That's what we're dealing with. Um, but I like that would be the point that I would look into further. Um, after this is was Afro Samurai produced, released, and like what was res- the reception in Japan? Yeah, like it was something that I definitely want to like. I feel like it was because I know on any list and things like that, it's got like a seven, which you know, like that could be like anything, honestly. Like people really just kind of put numbers on like it really just depends because i've seen some really great stuff be like some really low numbers so i don't feel like that might be an accurate depiction of it but everyone i know from like hearsay and word of mouth seems to love it so i'm like let's go um i feel like it had a huge impact on people especially people of culture um and people of my culture <laughs> not people of culture um so that's a different conversation. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the women's with the um, with well endowments are the the the, the focus of culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I definitely feel like, especially with the fight scenes, like I feel like everyone has, even if they don't know what Afro Samurai is, they've seen the bridge fight scene, um, where basically the two fencer dudes come at him, and then Afro is like wearing like bro, a, that's from the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, everybody's yeah. seen that. Like, he's got the basket on his head, and he just goes to work, and he, like, starts chopping everybody up, and then all these other goons come, and then the whole, like, pond or river or dam or whatever it is is just drenched in red blood. Like, and, like, you got the guy in the Oni mask, he throws a sword into it, boom. Like, I feel like everyone knows that fight scene. I saw that fight scene before I even knew what it was called. I'm just like, is this fan-made? Like, what is this? Like... I feel like everybody has seen that. So. And, and that's just the big part. Like, look at all of these things coming together. The violence, the imagery, the fact that we can just make a five-episode bullshit. Um, apparently, um, was produced by the Japanese studio Gonzo. Um took three years to develop, and in the three years, the studio also created a trailer, which wound up in the hands of Samuel L. Jackson. Then it was like, all right, we're going to make Afro Samurai hours, uh, which turned into a collaborative five-episode show with Samuel L. Jackson, Takahashi, Ozaki, and Gunzo with the Rizzo on it. Of course, like, it's just so cool, like, like, there was a, a world where these artists can come together across international borders and make something like this. Yeah, no, it's such a cool and kind of like homage to, I guess we, one could say, like the power of anime. Like, yeah. as cheesy as that sounds, but it's definitely like how these mediums bring people together. And Samuel Jackson, along with like Phil Lamar and other people, 
and these Steam Bloom have been like huge advocates of anime because you know it's like their thing, and I support it, and I also love anime. So yeah, like I wonder because there's a something that's coming up which is a Netflix exclusive, um, called Yasuke, which is the story of Obunaga's um first like one of Obunaga's retainers, which is the first African samurai. It's coming to Netflix this year. And I wonder if Afro Samurai had some type of impact on that being picked up by Netflix. So. I think that it certainly makes a real, a real difference. Um, I don't know. As more so a, okay, here is an example of this sort of content and its reception. Yes. Um, the, the, the story of Yasuke is super interesting. Um, I'm not sure what that means for like the new series. Uh, but I, I think that it's certainly a, a conversation that is going to be great to discuss when it's finally released. Yeah. It's coming out this year by Studio Mappa. So I just wanted to feel like it's that was fucking mappa yes man mappa isn't sleeping but that's another conversation for another day um but yeah you know i think that does our samurai afro samurai um podcast well you know definitely check it out if you haven't um because it is a show that i would recommend would you recommend it to people bruh if you aren't turned off by like gore and violence and black people for some of y'all Oh shit, yeah. Um <laughs> if you are not a part of Anatoity Twitter, go check this shit out. <laughs> like <Sorry. laughs> No, nah, you say what you said. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um so yeah, um and what else they can check out is our other podcast and works on Spotify, on YouTube, on iTunes, on everywhere where spot podcasts are heard. Yeah, man, at your typical Shona protagonist. And we're on Twitter at your TSP. That's U R T S P. Kai, you got a Twitter too? Yes, you can find me at Static Dreads, where things will happen and things will be tweeted. Or catch out the other product, Content Breaker, on Spotify, iTunes, whatever, and Instagram at Content Breaker, Twitter at Content Breaker. And we will catch y'all next week for more your typical show protagonist. Peace.